Kavi Poy, and welcome to the Reliable Health for All podcast. This podcast is intended to bring awareness about global health issues and how we can make a change. Through this podcast, I will be interviewing healthcare professionals, people who have experienced or first have seen these issues, as well as many others. This is the second episode, and I can't wait to talk about these issues with all of you. I am also very looking forward to this podcast as I will be interviewing Blair Petrini, the director of Grateful Hearts, and Lisbeth Garcia, the storehouse coordinator. Grateful Hearts is a nonprofit community resource center that serves individuals who are in need. They help by giving food, cloaks, and basic necessities to those who don't have the ability to acquire them. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add more about yourself? Well, we have been in existence for a little over 21 years. We opened our doors uh, December 1st of 1998 in the city of Los Alamitos. And we uh, ex exist. We have to distribute food to people in need. So we're primarily a food pantry but it also involves a lot more than that. Great, that's great. Um, today we will be talking about the issue of the lack of food and resources homeless people, veterans, and other disadvantaged people have. Uh, about one-sixth of Americans don't have enough food to eat. This issue is so widespread and is much more serious than we perceive it to be. Talking to both of you, I thought it would give a good perspective on this issue as you firsthand see many of these people struggle to obtain basic needs. Um, to start off, could you go into detail about Grateful Hearts Storehouse, um, how it was like brought up and what your purpose is through it? <laughs> well, as far as the, the beginning of Grateful Hearts, um, I was a bookkeeper at a local church in Los Alamitos for many years. And um, sometimes when the receptionist would take a break, they would funnel the calls back to my desk. And I started getting calls from single moms who they and their kids were going to bed hungry at night because they had no food to eat. And then I got another phone call from a single mom uh, saying her children were not attending school because they had no clothing to wear. And mm -hmm. it was something that really, uh, to say it disturbed me, would be putting it mildly, but I would say, I'm sorry, but we don't have a program like that or any anything that, you know, can help you, um, but I can pray for you or whatever. This seemed really a, a very um, insufficient answer and insufficient health. And so I um, would just try to encourage them. And then I'd you know, just actually go into the women's restroom and sob my eyes out and just, it became, yeah. it became a prayer of mine and really all consuming, um, after a bit, just thinking, you know, there's, there's so much here and we're so blessed to have to turn these people away. Um, it just right. felt awful. And so, yeah. Just, uh, and then I had some good friends uh, that everybody needs those kind that give you a little kick in the pants and say, Hey, you know what? It seems to be bothering you more than 
the average person, maybe you should do something about it. Mm -hmm. And that I'm very thankful for that because they also helped motivate me to not just complain about what wasn't happening, but actually be an answer and help be an answer to that, that problem, those, those needs that were going unmet. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, what inspired you to start helping individuals who are new? Um, like, were there any specific experiences um, or people you had met that influenced you to make this change? Um, well, the ones that I mentioned, actually, they were the they were the um, catalyst for this change. They were mm-hmm. the ones. It was each and every phone call and just listening to. Um, moms crying on the other side of the phone, um, you know, saying, you know, my kid, we're, we're just going to bed hungry. That is something, and I, and I got numerous ones of those. So those really stirred in my heart. Um, and um, I would say those were the hugest ones that really made me make that decision that I'm going to do uh, whatever it is that I can do. Um, to help these people and another thing that was because it was a church and I would come in contact with people so I started doing something out of my own like resources closet whatever but the and so in meeting those needs that way it was almost um, a bit more frustrating because I felt like I didn't hear about a lot of them a lot of them would fall through the cracks and so it was like i you know, it was like meeting one and then two, three would go by with, and I find out after the fact, and I'm like, this just, this isn't cutting it. Mm-hmm. It's great to help, um, you know, s- small amounts. And uh, there's a wonderful quote by Mother Teresa that says, if you can't feed 100 people, then feed just one. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. yeah, nothing wrong with starting small. And I think it's important to do that. We learn as we grow, but mm-hmm. Definitely hearing those cries for help um, were what were the things that moved me into action. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I think um, any change is very impactful to anyone. Um, Through all the service you have provided, uh, what was, like, were these experiences or were there any other experiences that have influenced you or given you a different view on this issue? Um, I'll let Lisbeth speak to this as well, but, um, you know, seriously, we could, and I, I should have been all along um, writing, writing these things down because there's experiences all the time um, throughout if, and for really for everyone, if we just open our eyes, um, I think, I think we miss a lot. I know Mm. I do by just kind of going through life too fast. Mm. And I will tell you one thing in the very beginning for me that um, happened and I keep coming back to that uh, every once in a while was I took it, I took a phone call very, very early in our, um, after we, we just opened and I was in the warehouse and I was filling bags of groceries and I was just thinking about, everything I have to do and Mm. so busy and all this kind of stuff. And I got a phone call and it was uh, a person who spoke very slowly on the phone. And in my mind, I never said anything out loud, but in my mind, I'm thinking, Oh, you know, just if you could hurry up, I've got, you know, people to help. And, you know, I've got these bags to fill and, um, 
And so at the end of that phone call, she just said, um, thank you so very much for taking the time with me. Um, I am a recovering alcoholic and I, cause she was asking me to spell something and it was very, very slow. And she said, I'm, I'm dyslexic. I have problems writing and thank you so much for being so kind. And I just said, well, you're welcome. God bless you and hung up. And then after, after, um, I hung up, I was just, uh, sobbing because I realized that this person was the epitome of why I was doing what I was doing. And so, you know, kind of had sort of lost my way for a minute because she was, you know, it was really all about her and people like her. And yet in the midst of that, it was like, kind of like, hurry up lady. I I just need to get all this stuff done, you know, which makes no sense at all. Anyway. um, And she was just so great. I'm sure Lisbeth has uh, experiences that um, I know we all, I mean, seriously, there's dozens and dozens and dozens. And um, um, I know she has some as well. So I'll let her speak to that. Well, um, first, um, I just started at at Grateful Heart as a volunteer in 2013. So um, when I started, um, I didn't realize the the need or you know like uh all the all the things that grateful heart do for the community mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. as i get involved i just started at the thrift store in that moment uh, as a volunteer just going through boxes and then suddenly it's like i became part of the team and then i get involved with with blair as a director and uh Many things happen, but I think for me, one of the services uh, lately we, we've been uh, giving to the community is like uh, this food drive through and people coming to us um, due to COVID-19 in frustration, uh, barely like without hope and in tears, um, I get laid off of work, you know, um, I have a family of five. I'm a single mom. Uh, I mean, and the story goes on and on and on of different experiences, different stuff that people, me as a, you know, as a woman, I I would never think about it. But when they come in your way, you will stop and then you will realize, oh, my God, the need is bigger that whatever the community uh, knows or the news put out there or whoever is talking about this is bigger. The numbers are bigger. Yeah. 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 I think those experiences are definitely eye-opening. Yes. Yeah. Um, Prior to COVID-19, low-income families, uh, the homeless and other disadvantaged people were being served and were focused on. Um, how has this virus affected these people and how have your protocols changed? Well, um, so as soon as uh, COVID hit, we immediately switched our whole dis- food distribution program 
we used to have people come, well, they, it's still by appointments, but we used to have them come and they would sit in a waiting room and then it would be handled um, in, a, in a way it's called client choice. So they would basically shop, they would shop and select the items that um, that they would, you know, that they wanted. And so, which is a really great thing. It gives people more uh, a sense of dignity and as well as uh, cuts down on waste because you're not giving them a bag of something they may or may not use. Um, but so because of the uh, nature of COVID, we immediately switched the whole program to the uh, mobile food distribution. And so, of course, all the volunteers and staff are clad in um, face masks and gloves. And so the people, they don't even get out of their cars. They just come. Uh, we're able to greet them, but limiting, you know, contact by just putting their groceries just, you know, right inside their car, generally into their trunk. And so um, we have seen since this whole thing started, we're serving double the number of people we were serving before we were serving about 4,500 people per month now it's at about 9,000 and that's just that's just locally that's not we also do uh consistently send um emergency assistance overseas as well as locally to our um uh the joint force training base and other areas you know delivering food to shut-ins and things like that but what we're seeing now is obviously uh, you probably heard the word a lot, unprecedented, which is that's what the time we're in. And so we're seeing people with really, really nice cars that, you know, they just lost their job uh, a month ago or whatever. And, and so people in a higher uh, economic bracket are now finding themselves gracing the, uh, you know, the doors of, of food pantries and never before in their life have they ever experienced, you know, they've always been on the other end and um, it's a whole new group. They call them the newly vulnerable and they've just never mm -hmm. been in this space yeah. before, but here now they find themselves and they have to, you know, avail themselves, many of them to uh, services like ours. Uh, yeah. Um, Based on both of your experiences, what is something that many people may not know about this issue? Uh, like, is the scope of this issue bigger than many might think it is? I would say it's definitely it's definitely bigger, but I think I think people are beginning to see that. Um, you know, it was once mm -hmm. looked at a lot of times. The people that we would normally serve are considered people. They're, they are marginalized. They are um, people more on the outskirts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of pe a lot of them, ones that, you know, people, um, I don't know, just, just um, be underserved. And now it is them and they are all, you know, they're still in that situation, but now there's that whole new group. Um, and so, yeah, the food banks are, have, you know, the majority of them have at least doubled uh, the in the amount of people they serve. But what has also happened is like just in Orange County alone, oh, I would say over 300 food banks have closed food, or food pantries. Right. And so that yeah. makes it even more difficult. There's a large one that um, we 
we partner with Second Harvest Food Bank, and they have been, uh, for the last, I don't know how number of weeks, they've been uh, handing out food with at a drive with drive through distribution at the Honda Center. But the next, like, I think it's June twenty seventh, if that's a Saturday, that will be their last one. And so you've got thousands of people that are availing themselves to those services, but that is will no longer be something that's happening, you know, anymore. And so, um, and already they're looking to, they, they have been dropping off shipments of food to us because during this also, the food chain has kind of um, slowed way down. And as mm -hmm. far as the amount of food and the quality of food and the types of food that we can get, like people, um, you know, have been hoarding food. And so there's a lot less to pick up for food pantries to be able to donate to people in need. Um, and so yeah. they've implemented some new programs. There's one that we partake in, it's called um, Farms to Families. And so they've been dropping off, we've been getting like eight pallets of quality um, produce as well as dairy items uh, that are at peak. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not getting them near expiration or anything like that, but they've enlisted this program to help the farmers, but also to help uh, the food pantries serve people in need by opening up a whole nother avenue um, and stream for this food to come through because there's been such a shortage due to um, well, a lot of reasons. Manufacturers having to close down due to COVID and um, the, yeah. the over-purchasing yeah. and a number of other factors. So, yeah, but people have been really um, banding together to find mm -hmm. solutions. And so that's been kind of a mm -hmm. silver lining and an awesome thing to see in the midst of this, you know, horrible pandemic is to see people are really um, nice. working together to find uh, solutions to these problems. So that's been, that's been a, an awesome thing to be a part of and to see happening, you know, mm -hmm. when everything else seems so, uh, you know, just bleak, but mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So like, would you say that um, you've seen a positive change like with this virus because like with the progression of this um, issue? I would say definitely so. I mean, you, you're going to get, when something like this happens, you're going to see positive and you're going to see negative. And I think mm. both of those, those sides of the coin um, are magnified because people who are, are mm. desperate, sometimes they become more desperate. And as you probably heard, desperate people do desperate things. So, mm. you know, if they've got things in their heart that are, are yeah. not settled and not, I mean, Unfortunately, it's, you know, we've seen it with the, the whole looting thing and all that kind of stuff where, you know, they're trying to get clothes or food or whatever it is that's mm -hmm. there for them to, to get. But so good people have stepped up to help others a lot more. We've seen a lot more interest when before they, they really didn't participate in what we did. And then, um, so yeah, I, we've seen a yeah. lot of positive. I think you just... Um... Yeah. In the positive side is is about awareness. Like um, like when people mm -hmm. don't know the problem or the situation, they don't know how to react yes. or they don't know how to give or they mm -hmm. don't know the solution. Exactly. But once yeah. 
you create awareness in the community, many people, or at least we start with one, like what happened to Blair 21 years ago. You see the problem, something touched your heart, then you create awareness. And I think a big part of this is social media because right now, um, you know, mm -hmm. through social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, the platform, I mean, you can talk about these issues and, and not only talk, but go for a solution like you're doing with this, with this um, podcast. So, yeah. 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 Um, what should the general public or those who are listening do to help people who are lacking in basic necessities? just go okay um there's a number of things there actually um i think uh lisbeth hit on a a good key thing is is awareness mm -hmm. and a lot of people they aren't aware and so to you know that's everyone has you know um a voice and every voice counts and i think mm -hmm. if we um do uh, and social media is a great platform, mm -hmm. but, you know, sharing this message and sharing the fact that I don't even know what the statistics are now, but before this whole COVID hit, it was um, in Orange County, it was, um, I believe it was like one out of, um, oh, it was one out of five or one, it varied between one out of five and one out of seven people are food insecure. And what that means is they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And so food insecurity, even in Orange County, Orange County is like the second highest food insecurity area next to LA in the state of California. At least that's what it was a number of months ago. And we look at a Orange County as just this affluent area. And so, no, we don't have a problem, but we do. And, and for children to go to school um, hungry, it's a lot harder for them to concentrate. And now, you know, there, I mean, yeah. there's a whole nother issue, but that awareness is, is definitely number one and passing the word along doing, um, you know, food drives, um, giving to food pantries, local food pantries that, because the thing is just like our experience, the, our experience is, uh, magnified all throughout the county and throughout the state is that our workload has more than doubled, mm -hmm. but the finances don't usually match that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're needing to give out more food and, um, you know, work harder and this and that. But if we don't have that money to, you know, pay the, the rent and pay gas for the trucks to go out and pick up those groceries, mm -hmm. um, then it becomes, yeah. it becomes, you know, very difficult. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I definitely agree that spreading the message is extremely important for like anyone listening. Um, what is one takeaway you would like listeners to know from this episode? Um, I will say um, uh, that we are here for the community, Grateful Hearts, um, it's one thing about Grateful Hearts, it's that we don't close our doors for, for you know, like we don't peek through people. Uh, we receive everyone uh, as they come. 
And, um, you know, um, if people want to give or people want to volunteer as well, uh, we have a very nice um, website, gratefulheart.org, and they can read about us. They can send us their emails, their, their questions. They can volunteer with us. Uh, I mean, and it's so many things that, that we do that probably 30-minute podcast will not be, like, sufficient, but it's, it's just um, it's a good work in the community, and we're just one in, in, in this um, uh, here in Los Alamitos. So we are local. We are your local food bank that you can give. You can be, give, as, like Blair say, a food drive financially. You can give your time. Uh, and just to, you know, ask questions if they don't know uh, the answers, they just, they just ask, you know, and I don't know, Blair. And I would just say, um, to add to that is just, you know, everyone can do something. Yeah. So that looks different for different people. You know, when there's mm -hmm. people there, you know, um, you know, the slogan of stay home and save lives. And there's things that people can do at home simply on their, on their computer or, right. you know, whatever it is, it looks different for everyone, but I do believe that everyone um, can do something and to add your voice like you are doing is a beautiful thing because that's where it starts. And obviously we all are aware of things that we need to be educated on and we need to be aware of and we become the better for it. And so after, you know, we become aware, then it's, you know, next steps of, uh, hey, what, what can we do? What can I do? Um, and it doesn't matter what age or anything like that, mm -hmm. but um, there's, there's a place for everyone. And uh, it just, the more that we uh, band together, the more people, can be touched and and helped and reached and that is what we we want to see and so we're just very grateful for for people yeah. like you that help put the word out that this is a huge huge and getting huger um issue and it does require our attention and so thank you very much for providing this yeah. podcast and uh, just giving us an the opportunity to share some of the work we do and our mission because our mission part of our mission statement is that none of our neighbors would go hungry ever mm -hmm. and that's what we want to we want to make mm -hmm. sure that that doesn't happen yeah. and we want to commit to keep our doors open yeah. however we can to to help see that that they go hungry and so yeah yeah yeah. Um, thank you both, Blair and Elizabeth, for giving insight on this issue regarding um, the lack of food and resources homeless people, veterans, and other less fortunate people have. Um, hopefully those of you listening to this podcast are able to spread this, this message and advocate, them, advocate for them, um, like both of them said. It's important to give back to the community so whatever resources any of you provide will always be helpful. Um, by helping out through our community um, with change, we not only are benefiting others, but it adds more meaning to our own lives.
thank you all so much for listening. And I would especially like to thank both Blair and Lisbeth for taking time out of your day to share your experience and your knowledge regarding thank this issue. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, don't forget to stay tuned for the next podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye. Thank you.